sometimes it can feel like the bar keeps moving. It used to be a high school degree was enough, and then it was a university degree, and then it was co-op experience, and now we seem to be moving towards this idea of internships. Now, in our current climate, it can be a little bit tricky to find those internships, and I'm so excited today to talk with H to share a little bit more about what it means to have a meaningful internship, and especially in the international sphere in the midst of a global pandemic. So this episode will really give you some insight into how to make sure that you are finding an opportunity and what does it look like when we might be burnt out from being online all the time? Can these experiences still provide value to you and how can you find them? So take a listen. sharing their stories, ideas, and experts diving deep into how you can make the right decisions in order to have a meaningful gap year. This is the place to be no matter where you are on your gap year journey. I'm Michelle Dittmer, your resident gap year expert. Let's jump right in. there and welcome to the Gap Year Podcast. My name is Michelle Dittmer. I am your host today and your resident Gap Year expert. Today we're going to be talking about something that's on a lot of people's minds as we're trying to make the most out of our Gap Years and we're we're trying to expand all the things that are possible. So whether you are taking your Gap Year during a pandemic or you are looking for something that's a little bit more financially accessible, we have an incredible expert on the show today. Um, And I'm so excited to bring her. We connected a while back at a Gap Year conference, and uh, I just learned her entire story, uh, which she's going to share with you in a second. So today I have Heilweg Jones from Kaya Responsible Travel, and uh, um, we we call her H. Uh, So if you hear me refer to her as H, that's because that's what we like to call her and what she likes to be called. Uh, So H, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Michelle. And uh, yes, everyone, please do call me H. Everyone does, including my parents. So uh, that's, it's, it's what I've always been known as. I guess having a name like Harvick makes it that way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So why don't you give us a little bit of a sense of who you are, who is Kaya Responsible Travel, and what is, what is your story? Well, I'll give you the definitely abridged version of it. But yeah, I've been involved in in travel and especially in in gap year travel for, um, I guess, coming on about 20 years at this point. But, uh, you know, starting with my own experience and and now in terms of what I do as the founder and director of Kaya Responsible Travel. So how it came about was I had always wanted to take a gap year um, and kind of never got around to it. I ended up going to university. I I did um, a study abroad year. I actually came to the US, as you can hear from the accent. I am British. Um, And I did my study abroad year in the US. Um, And I I guess I thought that would kind of cover me for gap year. And then after I had done my study abroad year, I still felt that I had not seen the world. I had seen this one sort of 
study sort of situation and I really st sort of still had it in me that I wanted to see more and get to know the world a little better um, so I ended up actually taking my gap year probably a little later than most people um, I was working for um, about five years before I ended up taking my gap year a little bit delayed um, I definitely was one of the older older gappers I would say at the time um, and it was funny because I ended up you know the friends that I made were you know everything from 18 to 50 um, and everyone who was sort of traveling in between those ages as well um, and I guess I, I as I say I, I left my job at the time and uh, I got a, a round the world ticket I, I bought a one of those um, kind of open-ended round the world tickets where you kind of plan a, a route and I had planned to start in um, the African continent to go on to the uh, Australian continent and to get my working holiday visa there, which we can all get, um, and then come back via Asia on the way home. So that was kind of my brief plan. Uh, when I basically, I had, had this fascination for Africa and especially African wildlife and stuff. Um, I was a single female, a little bit worried about just rocking up in Africa and not, you know, just being a backpacker or something. So I actually ended up joining um, a couple of volunteer programs there that were doing um, uh, wildlife conservation. Um, and that was kind of my first introduction to, to volunteering and uh, environmental uh, you know environmental programs and that kind of stuff and i just became fascinated i had this you know i had amazing experiences at a, a monkey sanctuary and later at a, an elephant um national park and um and this kind of all started me off on on, on this journey um you know from there i went on and i went to uh, australia i had a working holiday visa i stayed a whole year there um, and then on the way back, I was due to meet a friend of mine in, in Thailand, uh, a friend of mine who was living there at the time. And, and our, our plan was to go to the beach for, um, for, the, for the Christmas holidays, as it was at the time. And um, as it happened on the way back from Australia, I, just, I, I went via New Zealand. I got a, a deal on a bus tour that sort of took me over the Christmas period. So I delayed my flight just five days. Um, and called my friend in, in Thailand and said, hey, can we just do New Year on the beach instead of Christmas? And they said, yep, that's great. And it's the reason that I was not um, in Thailand on Boxing Day um, uh, 2014 when the Asian tsunami, uh, very famous, obviously, um, when the Asian tsunami hit. And obviously, you know, the death toll that day was um, in, the, in the tens of of thousands and uh, it's, it's one of the sort of biggest natural disasters of our um, of our age and I, and I should I was supposed to be there the area that I, we were supposed to visit actually was entirely wiped out and, and had a lot of casualties and I I arrived five days later um, you know with a real um, I guess sense of relief that I had changed my plans and, and not been in that situation but also with this sort of um, it really, you know, being there on my gap year and doing these travels, suddenly being kind of um, put in a position where I was like, wow, I've just been doing all this traveling. What can I actually do, you know, with this, um, you know, with, with this situation? So I ended up basically um, finding a, a Thai organization that was uh, working as part of the aid operation and uh, ended up working for that organization for four months um, uh, in the aftermaths of the tsunami. Uh, and had a real it was really eye-opening for me uh, you know at this point I had been traveling for over a year and I had done all of the amazing things that 
a person can do when you are um, you know, backpacking and traveling and just taking your gap year. Um, but this was a whole new level for me. I was, you know, um, living with local Thai people. I was working, um, you know, alongside and, and under, you know, Thai teams. And I was learning about the community that had just been affected by this, this tragedy. And it was so much closer to the culture than I ever had got when I would, you know, has just been traveling. Um, and it really kind of opened my eyes to another level, I guess, of, of, um, of travel. So I finished there. I actually ended up doing a little bit more travel in Asia, did, you know, Vietnam, uh, Cambodia, Laos, um, and then ended up coming home. And I went back to my old career, which happened to have been advertising at the time. And I was so unhappy. I just, you know, I felt that, wow, I, I'd had my eyes opened to this whole different world that I, I hadn't known much about before. Um, and from there, um, you know, I, I founded Kaya, basically. I, I said, if, um, you know, the experience that I had working on this volunteer work um, affected me so much. And I felt that if other people had this experience, that it really would sound so idealistic, but it really does, you know, make for a better world. Um, you know, it brings us together, connects people, helps people understand different viewpoints. And I wanted everyone to experience that. So from there, I ended up setting up Kaya Responsible Travel. So with Kaya, we are a, we used to say we're a volunteer abroad organization. Actually, that's evolved over the years. And at this point, we are a uh, responsible travel and education abroad organization is how I think of it more, because it's very much balancing this idea of um, working alongside, it, it's real sort of cultural immersion to work alongside local um, community initiatives and projects while at the same time learning from that um, and, and bringing that educational aspect into it where you know regardless of whether it's education in the in the formal sense it's education from more of a global citizenship perspective um, and it, it can certainly be both at the same time um, so yeah and uh, that was um, 2009, we, uh, we founded and sent our first participants. And so we'll be coming on about 12 years at this point where we've been working with, um, uh, gap, gap students, university students, and also, um, you know, career breakers, um, families and, and other members, uh, of, well, other people who like to travel, I guess, uh, but primarily uh, students, gap years and, um, you know, career breakers is our sort of biggest area, really. Uh, but we do get people all the way through to retirees coming and doing our programs now. Well, I think that story has so many points of like heart-wrenching, awakening. Um, I, I want to just highlight a couple of things that really stood out mm -hmm. for me. Um, the first of which is that you did it later in life. And I think that there's a misconception between a lot of people thinking that this has to happen at a particular time in your life. If you're going to take a gap year, it has to be at X, X year after you graduate high school or after you finish university. And the reality is, is whenever you're called to take that time that's the right time to take your gap year um, so if you're just truckling trucking along and heading straight into university or college makes sense for you then do it but if it doesn't feel right whenever in your life there's there's a time where it doesn't feel right or you feel that calling to explore or to get out there or do something different that's mm -hmm. the right time and it doesn't it doesn't have an age limit on it or it doesn't have an expiry date either it really doesn't. And, and I, I would agree with that so well. And I do think that once you hit that, um, 
I don't know, that, that, that field of gap year, one of the big, like, I was worried. I was worried about, you know, I was 27 when I, when I did my gap year and I was worried that at that point I was, I was old. And it's funny because now, you know, 20 years later, I'm laughing at that um, <laughs> because that was so young. But, uh, but uh, you know, at the time, the one thing I found is that people genuinely don't really talk about their ages when they are, you know, when they're doing that gap year. I made, you know, at the age of 27, I made friends that were 18 years old at the time, you know, that were 10 years younger than me and are still my friends to this day. And, and likewise, I made um, friends with people who were retirees and, you know, doing kind of a post-career traveling at the time. And, and it, it really wasn't, it was funny in the gap year world, age actually becomes a lot less relevant than it does back at home and I think in that way it helps you um I kind of I guess break free from all of the um the stereotypes and stuff that come with age and you can find anything that you want if you want you know to have fun and party you can find a group that does that if you want to you know get a job and work there's a, you know groups and, and sometimes they're the same groups that you know people just doing um you know different things along the way but it you're right. Age really wasn't um, an, an issue. Once I started traveling, it became a total non-issue. Um, and for myself, I, when I went to university, I was kind of, I, I really was keen to get to uni and I thought I knew what I wanted in my life at the time. So I kind of, you know, I, I, I took the degree that, that I, you know, was interested in the time and, and I was really into that then. Um, and then once I was in my career and became a little shaky as to whether that was really what I wanted to do. Being able to take the gap year and then reevaluate what I was all about was, it was so great to kind of set me back on a, on a path to find myself again is what I found at that point. And that was actually the second point that I wrote down was how um, so many education is never a waste. People sometimes think that if you are pro gap year, you are anti-education um, and that is not the truth. They, they go hand in hand and yeah. where a gap year can help you is, is getting that clarity and getting different experience under your belt so you can make better choices about what you want to study and which direction you want your career to head in. So it's not an or, it's an and. Um, and, and a gap year is just a tool to help you on that self-exploration so that you do choose the right things mm -hmm. that are, are moving you forward. And it, it was just amazing to hear in your story how you had this awakening, you had this discovery on your, on your travels that allowed you to uncover something about yourself and something about the world. And then to be able to translate that into a business and a career and something that fulfills you, that is the ultimate goal of a gap year. And so you are like the poster child. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I, you know, I, I see it all the time now working in Kaya because yes, I did it and I did it at, as I said, at 27 or by the time I actually got home, it was closer to 30 actually. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of people are luckier that they do that, uh, that do that earlier in their life actually. Um, and they do go and they, and they find, uh, find that. And, and part of that is, especially for somebody who's undecided about their direction. I was, I was one of the students who was good at, you know, the sciences and the humanities so I kind of had a lot of options but at the same time it made it hard for me to decide I wasn't that kid who was you know really great at art or really great at one thing or another I was kind of an all-rounder which I remember it being really difficult to decide what I wanted to do when I went to university because 
there, there wasn't something that my natural tendencies would push me to, just you know towards um and and i think a lot of people have that where they're not quite sure where they when they start studying what they want to do and sometimes taking that gap year and, and as i say i see it all the time with kaya where they you know maybe the direction you take is something that's been influenced by I don't know whether it's come from friends or family or, or maybe just what you think society wants from you. Um, and then you go and check that out and realize it's not for you at all or that it, you were unsure about it. And then you go and take a look and you're like, Oh no, I see why everyone was telling me that I would love this. I really do love it as well. Um, you know, it can kind of go either way. And we see people coming and doing programs that are aligned with their interests and either discovering a newfound passion for it or a new, um, a new way that that you know something that they thought was one way is actually got multiple different ways that you can interpret that and then they can um I'm, I'm trying to think of an example now but, you know for example somebody we we regularly get this on people who are thinking of going into healthcare. you know everyone wants to become a doctor that's you know that will make everyone proud and get a good income and, and is a, a really noble profession so you know people come with that idea and then they come and they do a healthcare program and they realize that actually yet i i am interested in health but i'm really interested in you know very specifically you know how how these public health initiatives you know work rather than maybe just being uh, you know a, a, family a, a regular doctor. A yeah. family doctor which is what we're so familiar with because we we're not exposed to public health when we're growing up that's you know that's not something we have exposure to where, where family doctor is but it kind of opens your eyes to another element of something that you're like oh actually i do want to do this but i want to do this in, in a different way and you can kind of sample it a little bit when you go and do you know internships we do a lot of um internships as part of our programs because you can kind of trial out these you know careers and see if they're for you and then go and spend two four eight um however many years it takes to study for that career but knowing that you want to do it at the end of your studies rather than studying for that long and then going eh, this is for me and having maybe wasted some time so that's also a, you know i always find a good bit of advice in in using this time it's you know taking time out whether it's six months a year whatever time seems like you're losing time but actually well, you can gain a lot of time in your life as well because um then you're not wasting what you're doing and you can direct yourself and you can choose your majors and choose your classes around that direction you want to take and get there faster than maybe somebody who didn't yeah, I think that clarity becomes so real. I talk about a gap year as a risk-free trial on life. Um, <laughs> where you, you get out there and you, you sample a bunch of things with low risk. You're not spending tens of thousands of dollars on an education. You're not spending four years of your life going in a blind direction. You're spending a couple of weeks or a couple of months testing things out, trying it, scratching that itch and seeing if it satisfies you or if you need to head in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that's so powerful of a tool that is, is very much overlooked um, in, in the race to get to the end. And, and you and I know that, that what is the end point? What is the end game of this? What is the end game of this race that we're going towards? Um, so by, by taking this little detour, like you said, you can save time and money in the long run and, and find fulfillment um, mm -hmm. a little bit earlier in life and a little bit um, what seems like indirectly uh, is yeah. sometimes the more direct path. 
and it can also give a bit of you know of a perspective um when you work with with people in the field you're getting you know in the same way as an internship just at home or whatever that you might you know network with people within the field and find out more about stuff when you you know go out and and interact with people in, in that way you can see the route that they took to get to where they're going and um and and give some perspective to you know either what you might think are your challenges or some things that you are thinking that you're not going to be able to overcome to get where you're going and then you speak to people and realize that oh there's another way around or it doesn't have to be a linear route to what i want to do in my life and um and then also to get some perspective on how different how different people live and how different people approach problems and you know that doesn't even have to be sort of career focused it can be kind of dealing with life focused as well mm-hmm. um you know and, and and knowing how to how to make those decisions in your life and how to build the relationships in your life and all of that kind of stuff can come out of of having had that experience and having had that experience and i always say to people as well i i hear a lot from people especially when they come to our program that they wanted to do something, but they didn't have anyone to do it with and they were scared to do it alone. Um, and the one thing I would say about you know, this idea of, of gap years as a whole, however you do it, is that it is a very individualistic thing to do. If you wait to find someone else who has the same ideas as you, you might never get around to doing it. Whereas if you come and you do a program that is, you know, got some structure and, and you're able to sort of fit in, um, you know, join a sort of a structured program, then you know that there's going to be other like-minded people around you and you can kind of overcome that idea of, you know, the the concerns are always, you know, am I going to be alone? Am I going to be isolated and that kind of stuff? And actually by doing it that way, you can, you know, sample it again safely, like like you said, is is, is that sort of risk-free trial of of life a little bit. But in that way, you you know, you meet people along the way and and, and and see, and it, it's probably a wider scope or maybe a little bit more aligned with you than potentially just the people that you happened to go through high school with or your family or, you know, the people who are immediately around you might not necessarily be exactly like you. Um, and you think they are because that's how you, what you're being exposed to. But then suddenly you see this whole wide world um, and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, this is a very different way of thinking or way of doing things or way of having a family or however it is as well. So yeah, broadening, broadening your horizons and going beyond uh, friendships of convenience and geography. Just you happen to live in that neighborhood and therefore these are your friends. You're actually aligning yourself with people who have similar values and interests and those ties uh, can run so deep because you are, you are stepping in with like-minded people, which is so cool. Um, now I'm curious, uh, the world has changed a lot in the last little bit and uh, you had all of these fabulous on-the-ground programs that were centered uh, around um, uh, internships and um, getting hands-on experience. So I'm curious what um, the pandemic has done um, for that experience, because you have communities that still have needs and you've got people who still want to connect with them, but we don't Mm -hmm. want to be spreading viruses (laughs) between continents. So so what has uh, the coronavirus done to to the work that you're able to do now 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely been a year. Um, <laughs> and I don't think anybody in the world has been unaffected by, by what's happening, but certainly in the world of, of travel, we've been, you know, significantly um, impacted um, and, and everyone looking at doing a gap year, I'm sure has, has, has found it very, you know, difficult to know what to, what to get involved with. From our perspective, um, uh, we, we had people in the ground, uh, you know, back in March, some people stayed, some people came home, but eventually everyone ended up, um, uh, you know, leaving the project at, projects at some, you know, at, at one point in time. And, and at this point, we don't have, um, uh, you know, pe people traveling and, that, and hasn't been over the summer. Um, and at the same time, we were obviously still working with all of our, our communities in, you know, we work across 30 different countries. And in those communities, we were hearing from the organizations that they were really struggling because they were no longer able to get the help of, of volunteers and interns, um, but also because their own staff were being, um, you know, it, they were in lockdown also, or they were, you know, they had their funding cut and, and had to furlough their workers or, or lay people off and stuff. So they were really struggling as well. And, um, and we, we kind of got together and, and, and discussed, you know, how can we continue to support our communities that we work with? And at the same time, provide, um, uh, you know, traveler students, gap year um, uh, travelers and stuff, how can we provide them the opportunity to, to still engage with those communities? And so it came out of these discussions where, where some of our organizations were saying, well, hey, we still have a lot of work that can be done remotely um, if people are interested in that. And, you know, everyone recognizes that going to the country is part of the fun of it all. But in the absence of being able to do that, is there anything else we can still, you know, do together? So we started looking at it and we started, you know, thinking about what are the, you know, the positives and negatives of all of that, obviously for the organizations to be able to get some help doing some online research or some data crunching or developing workshops that they can host on the ground and stuff like that. We're like, yes, certainly our participants can be involved in that. Um, at the same time, we wanted to make sure that that connection with the culture was still important. So we work with our, um, we have ground teams in all of our, our locations that on a regular year would be there to, you know, pick people up from the airport and help them, uh, you know, organize excursions and, and all of that support that we normally provide. And instead now what we did is we worked with them to develop cultural workshops so that um, alongside the, the work that our participants could do um, on a placement that we could have cultural workshops that really connected the um we always used to call them travelers and we're like nobody's traveling so <laughs> participants we got, we're calling everyone now um, but to to, to call, you know to make sure that our participants are still you know connected so for example um our cultural workshops would be you know we'll have a session on on the food of the of the country and it'll look at everything from you know the kind of foods that are grown locally to what the typical um, dishes are for a family to eat or how, you know, how do families eat? Is it sort of in front of the TV? Is it sort of a regular sit down? Is it at home? Do people eat out? Um, and then we'll do like a, a, a cooking class where we have everybody buy the ingredients or whatever at home uh, before coming to that session, we'll send them the kind of ingredients list and then they'll do kind of a little cooking session to learn, you know, for Vietnam, it might be, um, you know, spring rolls or, in um yeah in all the different countries whatever their speciality is that that, that can be done that that way as well so so that's just one example of, of, of a cultural workshop that's quite a fun one um but also we do cultural workshops on what is the 
business etiquette um, and, and the communication style of the country so that when you're doing um, you know an internship placement a, a volunteer placement in that way with uh, with an organization that you can also have an understanding of why the communications are the way they are and how are we expected to address each other or um, whether uh, you know uh, uh, whether a culture has sort of avoidance conflict when no one wants to say no, but they mean no. And how do you read that? And, and that kind of stuff. And, and so by then connecting the cultural workshops with doing a placement, we can still get that sort of global outlook while at the same time being able to work on something that gives um, our participants experience in that field while at the same time helping uh, our organizations get their work done. Um, and then we added a little extra thing in because again, um, we're very conscious that, you know, working with any organization that tends to be, you know, working age people, whereas, uh, you know, a regular, at least student age person who might um, be on their gap year or doing this as part of their studies would come and make, you know, local friends of their own age, or at least sort of be exposed, um, you know, to people of their own age a little better. So in, uh, we also um, organize buddy chats. Um, it's worked out really well. A lot of the buddies that we work with in country are actually um, student, local students who some of them even get credit for participating in the sort of cultural exchange element. And what we do is we have these buddy chat sessions where we have like a topic, but it can go in any direction. It's not, there's not really an end goal to these chats, but it's more like, why not discuss with your buddy today what does relationships look like for you and that might be family relationships or usually it ends up talking about dating um because everyone's <laughs> always interested in that um but you know it kind of takes its own direction and, and and with that way it will be more like if you chatted to somebody in a coffee shop or you just you know made a friend of your own age in that country in that way as well and it's funny because some of the buddies and our participants have even kept in touch after they finished their virtual um their virtual placement and you know are still so interested in in doing that and this whole idea of like remote virtual online placements nobody knows what to call them because they're so new um but you know thinking of them as sort of online online internships online volunteering um, the it's something that has come about because of coronavirus and because of our inability to to travel however we definitely see that is something that i think is going to continue for many years after the the pandemic is over and we've seen some really great outcomes that we might not have expected before so um, a really great example that i have is we had one um, one of our participants who did a virtual internship in uh, in South Africa. Now, when she spoke to us, she didn't have a particular interest in Africa. She said, you know, her, her previous plan had been to go to Europe, actually, um, but she couldn't find um, a placement that was suitable for her um, you know her academic area that she was interested in and so we found this placement for her in south africa and she's like okay i don't have a particular interest in south africa but sure it sounds like a good placement so that was at the beginning of her internship by the end of it she said oh my goodness i had no intention of ever going to africa in my life i had no you know i hadn't read anything about it it just wasn't on my radar and now 
because of what I've heard from my buddies, what I've heard about the cultural workshops, I am fascinated by um, that location. And actually she has signed up so that once South Africa is, is open, which actually is going to be this summer, um, she is actually going to follow up on her online placement by actually going in person. Um, and, you know, that's always, I feel like that's always a good story for people who aren't quite sure what they want to do or where they want to go or a little bit worried or have a little inkling in there that, wow, that'll be interesting, but I, I, I'm not sure if I want to commit to like going all the way there. But on the online placements in this way are such a great way of sampling it without leaving home. And if you do it and you're like, that doesn't interest me, you haven't, you know, you've had a, an internship experience, but you didn't have to, you know, put yourself in that position if that is not what you're interested in, um, but for for people and um, and this student was was one of them where she said, "Wow, I never would have thought to put that I would be the person who wants to do this." And now, literally, she's calling us every day. Are we ready to sort it out now? She just can't wait to go. Um, and and I think we're going to see that as well. So again, I would definitely encourage anyone who is a little nervous a little unsure to do something like that in advance because the comfort level it sort of builds in you to be able to then commit to do it in person um or even to do it in person for a shorter time that's one thing we're hearing as well they do people are doing online placements because they don't they're not able to go abroad for you know three months let's say and by doing it this way then they've kind of done like the work in advance and they could just take a short, you know, maybe three or four week or something placement like that instead and still get a lot out of the experience too. I think this, this is such an important message for people to hear because I've talked to so many families who, when I mention gap year, they throw up their hands saying, well, I can't travel, so I'm not going to do it. Whether mm -hmm. that is because of the pandemic or because they don't have the finances to travel or um, they're, they're too anxious about travel, they, they just think a gap year is not for them. And there are so many things that you can do on your gap year, um, including how having these experiences that are going to develop those global competencies that are going to uh, connect you with other people that are going to give you that cultural component that are going to allow you to help a community somewhere around the world and are going to let you meet other people, which are the things that people are looking for in an yeah. in-person experience. And that hasn't disappeared altogether. You just need to know where to find them. And yeah. I'm so glad that resources like this exist and this conversation is happening. So people know that there, is, there are alternatives out there and it is it can be for everyone. And you mentioned a whole bunch of different folks who might benefit from this even in non-pandemic times. And so if you don't have the finances to head overseas, if you are anxious about travel or your parents are anxious about you heading to certain locations, this is a great way to get access to it. Um, if you um, are unsure about if, if it really is for you before committing, you can do this as a, as a pilot or a test and then continue on to an in-person experience. I think there's just so much good that's coming out of this. When it is done ethically when it is done with mm -hmm. intention. And so I'm curious if you could help the listeners 
figure out when they are going through and they are connecting with different organizations that are offering virtual placements or virtual opportunities, what are some of the things that they should be looking for to make sure that it will be a quality experience and that it, it will be an ethical um, choice to, to make when, when working with uh, communities around the world? That's a, that's a really great question. And, you know, at, at the heart of Kaya Responsible Travel, I guess it's there in our, in our name is always how do we get people um, traveling and connecting in the way that is, that is fully ethical, that, that is mutually beneficial for everyone, that doesn't reinforce, um, you know, traditional colonial stereotypes, that doesn't um, take advantage of, um, of communities, uh, that doesn't, um, you know, make the communities we work with some kind of you know guinea pig or petri dish for our career ambitions um but actually more is is about this kind of idea of, of mutual exchange mutual respect and um uh, and learning um i guess as well um and the same goes you know for for online placements there are certainly some things that are a, a little let's say easier when uh, when you're not traveling to the country uh, in terms of you know considerations but this you know a lot of that stuff still still does apply so for example um when you're thinking about uh you know interning or volunteering with an organization uh the, you know the, there's a few pointers that we say to people so first of all um making sure that that organization that you're working with has has real work that you can do online um, and that it's just you know busy work to keep you you busy but they don't benefit from or that there's an unrealistic expectation of what can be done um, you know from a remote situation um, making sure that that organization has has the connectivity if you work with a you know an organization such as Kaya invariably they've already thought about all these things to put in place but that you know some people do find that they have a an organization that they have a connection with through their church or through their school or through their parents and stuff like that. Um, and sometimes what we find is that the connectivity on the ground, um, the internet is, is hard to get. And, and that does make things hard if the guys on the ground are not able to, to be able to connect with you um, at the right times and stuff like that. Um, that, that that organization has a, a supervisor that can help direct that work. Um, it's if, if you're a, you know, if you were a professional that was volunteering your services, then you would probably just be self-directed and be able to do a lot more, in, uh, you know, on your own. Um, as especially students, gaffers, like all, all of us that haven't necessarily got a, you know, a professional skill to offer, where it's more of an internship um, situation, um, it's important to have somebody at that organisation who is overseeing that work directing what needs to get done and has the time to do that because at the end of the day they still have to run the work that they're doing and this is sort of additional to that so being a, making sure that they've uh, got an allocated person or, or team that is able to support that 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 work that the participants is doing um and and then also, the culture, the cultural context I spoke about before is actually really important. It's very easy to be offensive when you don't understand a culture. It's very easy to do work that is irrelevant when you don't know the, con the context of the culture that the work is in and stuff like that as well. So I always do encourage um, people when they're looking for an ethical organization to do online with is to make sure that there is a structure around that does, that helps um, 
give a context and be able to talk through and do reflection on some of that stuff. Um, a really good example uh, that, that we've seen um, even, even this summer is um, uh, some of our interns were first getting frustrated because the organization uh, was you know, planning their calls at a particular time and they would regularly arrive late to the to the calls and and we we sat down and reflected on that and spoke to the organization and and they said yeah we we're this is uh, this specific example was in vietnam where they don't have a lockdown they don't have any um cases of the virus anymore so they've kind of gone back to normal and they've um they're going about their daily business and the call that they're having um the planned call that if you were in a regular office and it was time for your meeting, you would be on the way to the meeting and picking up your, you know, your pen and getting your notebook and, and, and getting there and everyone kind of chats for the first five minutes. That's how a typical meeting works in person in any culture. Um, but um, when, you know, our people are online and those people are in person, those couple of minutes seem like an age when you're just sitting there on a Zoom call, but it's only, you know, six seven minutes if you're there in person and then being able to get together and say oh the guys on the ground are like oh okay we're just treating this as a normal meeting but actually the guys on on the um, on you know on, on, on the zoom call are able to say oh okay the first few minutes of any call is going to be a little bit you know messy and kind of more chatty and stuff like that but actually recognizing that in that culture that it's very very important to have the social element of a meeting before you can get down to business because that particular culture um, puts a lot of emphasis on relationships. And so where, um, you know, where our students are thinking, oh man, we waste so much time for the first 10 minutes of these calls. And actually the organization is, is not thinking that that's a waste of time. They're thinking, well, that's a really important, um, you know, networking and, you know, relationship building situation. So again, just being able to process some of that stuff, which avoids frustration on, on both parts, but also again, recognizes um, some of the realities of the culture that we're working within as well. So I always say that there's, um, that to look out for but there's also a couple of things from an ethical perspective that you know we as participants have to have in mind when we when we then participate so the first one of those is is patience um uh you know things like the connectivity on the internet the time zone differences um the fact that our organizations have other work to do alongside the work that we're helping them with um and like i mentioned there being patient with the cultural aspects of it that might be different from our own culture um similarly the like flexibility um the people are, I, I, and the flexibility i guess would go equally if you were doing a domestic online internship as you would do in an international one but just you know in the same way as people taking classes have to be flexible to the fact that people's you know if you have a, a teacher and they're doing online teaching and the kid come, you know, their, their, their children come online sometimes and they have to deal with, you know, their life because <laughs> they're also living in COVID. That's the same situation with these inter uh, the internships and the organizations that we're working with, you know. Um, so being, you know, flexible with all of that um, and that, you know, that the work can evolve. This situation of being online is new for a lot of people. Um, again, I would say globally, I don't think there's anyone excluded from that. Um, and as a result of it, sometimes people are trying out stuff that doesn't work and then we have to like backtrack a little and, and go down another um, approach. So again, that flexibility and patience with all of that kind of stuff is really important rather than thinking of it as a, quite a linear, 
this is a tried and tested thing that works the way that it works. I think there's a lot of trial and error that's happening. So being really patient with that um, and recognizing that, again, and this is the same in person as it is online, is that recognizing um, that you can you take out what you what you put in. If you put extra effort in, you're going to get more out of uh you know, of, of a situation full stop um, and making that extra effort to, um, to, to connect with the organizations and your buddy chats and the, and, and the cultural workshops or, um, or your other participants on there means that you get so much out of it as well. So I guess they, a few of my tips anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so helpful um, because we want to, when we're trying to do good, we want to make sure we're doing good. Um, yes. And and sometimes it can be hard to discern, especially in the digital age where you can make a, a website look pretty fancy and pretty good pretty quick. Um, mm -hmm. We need to dig below that <laughs> and deeper into that to make sure that we are connecting with the right experience for us personally, but mm -hmm. also for those that we're being connected with around the world. Um, and uh, that, I think that's a really important thing to, to yeah. be aware of. And some of these challenges are exactly what it's funny when, when people find that they're having challenges and when we, we you know, we do reflections to, to, to discuss those, um, those challenges are exactly the thing that people, that, that are your takeouts to put on your resume, uh, to mm -hmm. put, you know, to, that you're able to, to talk to potential employers, to potential, um, you know, if you're applying to go on to do um, university or, or something else where you can, see from that I had this challenge and I had to rethink it and as a result of it I you know approached it a different way or I learned this from it that's exactly the kind of things that people are looking for on those resumes you know to to be able to process that experience in in truth I always say to people if you had smooth sailing on anything you did you didn't learn anything from it there should always be a challenging element of that for you to be able to process because actually displaying how you reacted to that challenge is what everyone wants to hear whether that's a future employer because as anyone with a job will tell you most days people you know there is a problem to deal with and so the, the ability to deal with that problem um but being able to do that you know in this context cross-culturally is a real reflection of our the reality of our of our countries and you know the potential careers that we might go into or the potential studies that we might go into um, and there's so much to learn um, from that. So I always say to people, almost look forward to the bits that are the hardest and the most challenging and that you think are the problem because that actually is the biggest outtake that you will get from this. So with all of those tips in mind, I'm curious if you could share a little bit about so like a concrete example of um, somebody maybe who's gone through the, the Kai Responsible Travel Program. Where did they go? What did they do? Um, so that people can get a sense of what is possible. Oh yeah, absolutely. So in terms of our virtual internships, we're actually only doing those in five of our locations. As I mentioned earlier, we actually work in person in, in, in 30 different countries around the world. But from a, an online virtual um, perspective, we're doing it in, in five countries where we could actually check all those boxes of connectivity and support and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and we're doing that in Vietnam, Thailand, Morocco, South Africa, and Ecuador. Um, so we've had participants, um, summer, fall and coming, uh, you know, and we'll have spring, sorry, summer, fall and spring are the sort of three, um, 
times we're doing this. So we've had a few participants recently. Um, I'll give you an example of um, one student who was interested in going into um, into the health field, um, and she came or did the placement in Ecuador. Um, and uh, she was really interested in, from two perspectives. One was her the health she was hoping to go on and study health and then the other aspect of it was that she was interested in Spanish so she kind of wanted to combine those two things which was which was perfect because she ended up um, uh, alongside the virtual internships we were also able to arrange Spanish classes for her um, from Ecuador so she actually got some extra bits added onto her her program there and her interest um, in public health we, we placed her in an organization that deals specifically with um, with women's health outreach and with that organization she was um, uh, able to work to help develop a campaign that was specifically looking at um, communications uh, surrounding teenage pregnancy um, and so they wanted to do a campaign that needed a little bit of research on you know the stats around teenage pregnancies and then um, they wanted to develop a, a workshop that they could do with school-aged girls to talk about um, you know how they should think about it what are the sort of issues and um, what um, resources were available to them and that kind of stuff so um, our, our student um, uh, worked alongside them she uh, did a, a ton of, of research she uh, helped put together the workshop that they were running in the classes um, and then additionally she ended up working on a a grant proposal using all of this information for a grants that were available um, uh, and as a result of it was able to get the organization funding to be able to expand their outreach to more locations with the funds that they got so when she came out of that she said wow you know I th these were real issues and I learned so much about it I learned how it's tackled on the ground um, she had um, as she'd worked more and more with the organization they had actually ended up taking taking her, and I say taking her because it was probably on a, a Zoom phone or something like that, but they actually got permission from a couple of the people they worked with so that she um, sort of virtually sat in on, um, uh, they, they were doing pap smear tests for women at one point, and she was able to sort of look into how that was happening. Um, and she came out of it and she said, wow, this has really helped me discover that women's health is the way that I want to go and th that in that that she had that context so that was a really good um, uh, example with uh, with health um, a, a different uh, example is we we had a community uh, somebody who was interested in sort of business marketing communications that kind of thing and and she was in uh, South Africa and she worked with one of the organizations um, that was doing it, it's a it's a sports um, sports development program it works with um with with girls in this particular instance as well um but doing sort of sports coaching for for girls for um, in, like empowerment and education and she ended up again doing um uh, a bunch of uh she produced materials basically that, that they were able to use to do outreach to the to the girls of the community talking about how um, they should you know join the sports teams and what they could get out of it and um, and what they um, so when they were recruiting girls from the community to join these sports teams to be part of the um, you know beneficiaries of the organization she did a ton of work around that so again 
two very, you know, you know, different sort of skill sets in terms of what people were looking for, but in terms of the deliverables, um, one of them, you know, one of the deliverables there was, you know, doing some data analysis and some data collection and stuff. The other one was actually um, producing leaflets online that they could print out. Um, you know, she made them and they just printed them out on their local printer and handed them out in the community and stuff. So they're the kind of like examples of, um, of what, you know, what people have done recently. But again, what we do is we match that up to the skills and interests of, of our participants. So um, people who are interested in environmental work, for example, we've been matching them up to organizations that have been doing, again, a lot of environmental um, data collection, environmental education, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's really dependent on the skills that people bring and by matching them to the right program in that way, then they're able to, um, to do something they're really interested in and put their own skills into it, I guess. Amazing. So if this has piqued some of our listeners' uh, interests, where can they learn more about you and about Kai Responsible Travel and, uh, and ask all of the questions that you put on us in terms of uh, vetting the people who are doing it well? You're going to get all these questions from the listeners now that they know what to look for. Uh, but where can they find you? We would love that. We love being able to chat to people. It's actually one of the things that we always say is that we, we have, um, so our website is um, www.kayavolunteer.com. So kayavolunteer.com. And, um, you know, on the website, you have the option of um, doing the online chat function. You have the option of uh, sending us an, an email. Um, we have an email, which is info at kayavolunteer.com, um, which you can, you know, do anytime. But we really have a big emphasis on just chatting to people as well. We love to get people on the phone, talk to them about what they're interested in um, and make it more of a conversation so we can customize what, you know, which, which individual people are doing. And we encourage that, whether it's, um, you know, the participants, the participants in there, parents if you know they're, they're interested in getting involved or you know or the whole family <laughs> we often have the whole family on the call as we do it but with that that we can kind of bring up ideas uh, so on the website we have for, for our virtual programs we have um under our program types we have online programs and, and you can uh, take a look there we always say to people that the breadth of what you can do is so broad that you you can get an idea from our website, but by having those conversations, we can find the, you know, and shape something and customize something to exactly what you need. Um, it's quite nice because then people will, you know, let's say all the people who have signed up for Ecuador will be a cohort doing the Ecuador programs together. They might all be on different organizations, but they'll do the workshops and that kind of stuff together. And the same with, you know, Thailand and Vietnam and Morocco and uh, South Africa in that way. Um, but again, we really do like to take a very personal approach to doing this as well. So if you take a look on the website for inspiration is what I would say. Um, and then, um, you know, have that conversation with us. Oh, and one thing also, anyone who participates in our virtual programs, we also, um, because we know that either people are inspired or they're doing this while they wait to travel, um, that we do have um, future program discounts for any participants on that. And that uh, varies as anything from 100 to $700 off actually going in person in the future, depending on whether you go to the same place or do the same program or go elsewhere um, as well. So, um, Take a look at the online options at, at this time, you know, if, while travel is, is restricted. And then also um, if you're looking to go, you know, summer and beyond will be open in some of our locations for, um, you know, back to normal um, in 
COVID normal, post-COVID normal um, <laughs> uh, uh, placements. And you can also read about, um, and I think that this is an important one as well, which is you can also read about how important it is once you return to travel, the considerations that will come out of this pandemic as well, because um, as we return to travel, and we're very much encouraging people to do that, um, we want to make sure that we recognize our responsibilities as travelers, not to be... Um, transmitters of disease to locations that do not need us to be bringing our illness um, um you know so while we want to you know our focus is is greatly um on a you know in a regular time making sure that the safety of our participants is first and foremost but also recognizing that we as uh, as we are hosted in the communities that we work with are not doing anything that is irresponsible the other way as well and we've got a lot of information around that and so as you think about your online activities and then your travel activities there's a lot of information you can read about on there too amazing well h this has been such a pleasure to have this conversation and to share it with the listeners and uh and to help people realize that there are still so many incredible ways and thanks to technology thanks to the internet um, and thanks to organizations who have roots in countries around the world that we can have really meaningful experiences that will help develop those global competencies even from our own house so thank you so much for being here really really appreciate it. Thank you, Michelle. It's been such a pleasure and good luck everyone out there planning your gap year. Um, you won't regret it. It's the best thing I ever did. And I know it will be for you too. <laughs> Wow, I love that. I love seeing how many different opportunities there are out there to get some hands-on experience, whether it's a paid internship, a volunteer placement, uh, working through an organization to have these experiences. There's so much out there that will not only help you build your resume, but help to expand your horizons and get you doing something a little bit different than just being a student. This is an opportunity for you to really contribute to society and to do so much learning in the process that doesn't end in some sort of test or report card. So get out there and take a look at internship opportunities. Now, if you're looking for some additional support on this, you definitely should check out the Gap Year Game Plan. It's a community of folks on Gap Years that are connected with all sorts of incredible resources over the course of your year. And we share tons of opportunities for you to be connected in this space. So head over to Can gap.ca slash game plan and check out all of the different offerings and maybe get on the list to find out some more information.